Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. With me, Russell Guyver. This one is the Palace Special. It's a two-parter. In part one, we've got all of the pre-match build-up, that is from down the pub, at the station, on the train, and a little bit from the game itself at kickoff time, just at the beginning from the stadium. Don't have any audio from the match itself during half-time or afterwards as there was too much excitement. I was too engrossed in matters on the pitch and thereabouts and um, quite frankly had a few beers. I didn't want it to be too unprofessional. However, part two of this podcast is the sit-down analysis where on Zoom I was joined by Andy's Bass and Not to discuss the match in more detail, go through it more analytically and to decide what we thought of the results. A one-all draw with our old friends from up South London Way. So, settle back and relax. Here we go with part one, which is the pre-match build-up. Right, here we go. It's match day special. Cheer, everyone. Ian's had a few beers. Bouncing back, bouncing back. <laughs> so you... Why'd you let it bounce? La 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 la. Why'd you let it bounce? Let it bounce. Why'd you let it bounce? <laughs> Ian's got a Mr. Bounce t shirt on, haven't you, Ian? Certainly have, Mr. Bounce. Bounce, bounce. <laughs> very stylish, very stylish. Well, Amongst others, we have with us a guy who was present at Chelsea Away. I didn't actually get you on the airwaves last time, but I'm definitely going to do that now. It's Ahmed. You are a new Albion fan, aren't you, Ahmed? I certainly am. Welcome to the Albion. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, How are you enjoying it so far? You've seen Brentford, uh, 2-0 win. Chelsea, one all draw. You missed the Everton game, but here we are for the Palace match. Seven points out of nine, I'm thinking. Yeah, been brilliant. 
I think today you got a, you got a Brighton win for definite today. Keep talking. I love it. And Alison, the other half. Alison, friend of the show, what are you thinking for today? I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I can see them sort of getting their own back with a late equaliser. Um, so I'm thinking maybe a draw. Well, I've gone two all. Do you reckon two all? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised because, yeah, I think there could be a few goals. But, um, yeah. Ahmed disagrees. Go on, Ahmed. I'm going to go for a score 3 2. 3 2 win. Yeah. Yes, get in. Yeah. Love it, love it. It could be exciting. Let's hope so. It doesn't matter how much you've got to say. It's what you say that counts, John. John, welcome to the podcast. How are we going to do today? Uh, it's about overdue for a win, I think. I believe so. Two or three years, almost. Yeah? yeah. Five games in a row, we've not won, which is two and a half years, isn't it? Just hope we don't let it bounce. <laughs> Imagine if you let it bounce. How bad would that be? <laughs> Charlie, Charlie, are we going to let it bounce? No. <laughs> the only time we're going to let it bounce is on the way through to their goal for our fifth tonight. The fifth. McAllister's hat-trick is going to lob it over or past the keeper and it's going to bounce just in front of the goal. Nestle nicely in the corner in front of the north stand and we're going to lose our minds collectively. He shot, he shot. It must be off, Give us a B!
it. Are we missing it? That goes us. Why'd you let it bounce? Let it bounce. Why'd you let it bounce? La 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 Why'd you let it bounce? Let it bounce. Why'd you let it bounce? La 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 la. Who's T-shirt? Hey, there's something to do with me. Who's T-shirt? Mr. Bounce. Can you finish it, yeah? Have you got enough to go around the whole carriage? If we get stranded outside Moles Coombe... Oh, wait! Pass a beer, it's pass a beer. To be fair, it is sharing it now. Pass a beer, it's pass a beer. We're on the way, on the way. We are Brighton from the south. We are Brighton. We are Brighton. Super Brighton from the south. We are Brighton. Super Brighton. We are Brighton from the south. And number one was Peter Ward. Oh, yeah. Number two was Peter Ward. Number three was Peter Ward. Number four was Peter Ward. Number five was Peter Ward. Number six was Peter Ward. Number seven was Peter Ward. Number eight was Peter Ward. Number nine was Peter Ward. Number 10 was Peter Ward. Number 11 was Peter Ward. Number 12 was Peter Ward. Are you ready? Here we go, here we go, here we go. We're all laying Let's 
I reckon you're right. I reckon we could do the business. I think we can, but you know, let's let's see how it pans out. I like the team that's been put out. Um, we've got Welbeck on the bench, Lancy on the bench to come on. I think we'll be fine. Uh, so you reckon about a 2 1 win? 2 0, 2 1, yeah. 2 0, 2 1, I like it's very, it. It's never easy to predict a scoreline. Oh, uh, yeah, but I exactly. would say a win is. Uh, my confident opinion. Listen, I love that. I, I think it's brilliant. We'll get you back on in more detail for a proper podcast. In the meantime, let's hope you're right. I'm thinking 2 0 here now. Marvellous, eh, man? Let's drink to it. Let's drink to it. Cheers, cheers, cheers Simon. Cheers. Right, here we are. The home end. We're staying upper with my old mate Kevin. Kevin, how are we going to do today? We're going to win 2 0 today, no problem at all. Yes! Palace uh, weak inside, and uh, we're just going to do them 2 0 easy. easy. I like it. going to come, uh, come up with a good zig again, and uh, maybe Trossard. Doesn't really matter who, does it? Don't care who. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Right, I'm with my old buddy, John. I've sat next to you for several years. You are an Eastbourne resident, aren't you? That's right. What do you reckon tonight? 
So here we are, Brighton against Palace. You've got to be partisan on this one, haven't you? Got to be Brighton, of course. Yeah. Got to be Brighton. Are we going to win? Hope so. Yes, we are. Prediction for the game? Yes, we are. John, I love you. It's absolutely brilliant. The years chatting with you at the Amex, it's been fantastic. You are, you are the man. I, I, I've, all I can say is, I think you might have nailed it. So you're saying we're going to win this. I'm going to go with that. Yep. <laughs> right, let's see what happens. That's a double act. How are you doing, Andy? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Excellent. We are coming fresh, of course, from the weekend's game, well, Friday night's game, um, where we have had yet another draw, yet another draw with Palace, uh, one all again, uh, equaliser again, different scorer, sort of, <laughs> if you can call him a scorer. Um, thank you very much, Mr. Anderson, for your own goal. Ended up one all, uh, another game we, we really dominated and didn't get the result in. And um, pretty disappointing, isn't it? Pretty disappointing overall. However, Glad we got back on terms. What was your take on the game? Well, mixed feelings. Um, very glad that we didn't lose, because um, we certainly didn't deserve to lose, and it would have been yeah. utterly infuriating. Um, I was very pleased with the overall performance. I thought we played well yet again, so it's good to see a sort of certain level of performance. But yet again, the disappointment that we weren't able to take the opportunities that were presented to us. I mean, Butland had a very good game. Um, I don't think you can just bemoan the lack of Albion's finishing. I thought the goalkeeper made some very good saves. But, yeah, it's just... We, we're just never going to beat them at home again. Don't we? You know, <laughs> I'm just glad I was at the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I, I have seen it, so um, I can enjoy that. But pretty much, that's the only Albion home game I've seen us win against them. I think every other game's been a draw. Yeah, that is true. Maybe one and, and one defeat. It does tend to be a draw this fixture, doesn't it? And um, or, or or a defeat. Um, uh, we have also, by the way, been joined by another Andy. It's Andy Knott. It's also with us now. Just as we've in the first moments of the pod. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Excellent, excellent. Um, we've just started to get into it. Really, just talking about the, the match overall summary. Uh, disappointing result, isn't it? But um, but a very encouraging performance again. Yeah, uh, I mean we've we've spoken about this quite a few times before. Um, uh, yeah, um, I wasn't. I didn't think it was a great penalty. That would no, have gone in. Things may well have been very very different. Um, I did catch. Um, it didn't take me too long to get back. Uh, and I do understand that um, there were some problems for people getting back, but we managed to catch just the end of um, the sky analysis. And I, I thought what I think it was Carragher rather than Neville said um, about Gross's penalty was that he just didn't get enough height on it. If he would have got the height um, and that, that's what he was supposed to be doing. If he would have got the height, then it would have gone in. Um, I'm not going to say it was a terrible penalty. Um, people like to say that, um, as far as I'm concerned, the terrible penalties are the ones that miss the target. Um, uh, um, but uh, uh, if you hit the target, then 
you've got a good chance of it going in. But um, yeah, it was one of those ones that more or less went down the middle. It slightly went down the goalkeeper's side. Um, and it was his knee or shin that deflected the ball away. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a height where the goalkeeper would say lightly that it goes in. If there's a good chance it goes in if it's on target, but there's also a good chance if it goes to that particular position that the goalie can save it. I wouldn't say by accident, but um, with more fortune than, um, well, diving prowess. <laughs> um, the thing that I'd say about the penalty would be um, we did have three players on the pitch that have scored from penalties this season. Um, and we selected somebody who hasn't done. Um, yeah. And I think given the form that McAllister's in at the moment, uh, I know this sounds like hindsight. It is hindsight. Um, I think probably he should have been given the opportunity. Yeah, I don't think it is hindsight. I mean, as soon as Gross got the ball, everybody around us said, why is he taking it? Yeah, same here. Uh, why isn't Morpé taking it? Why isn't McAllister taking it? Yeah, why isn't, you know, XYZ taking it? Uh, everybody thought it was very odd. And yeah. um, and he just looked slightly um, sort of cowed by the responsibility. It was like he, he had sort of a sort of shrug of his shoulder about him and his head and he, his head was down when he... When he um, sort of stepped up to take it. He just seemed slightly underwhelmed. Mm. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, so the not a lot of confidence in going into going into the taking that penalty. Also, yeah. I I wondered whether they were actually going to make him take it again because of the flare and whether the because the the smoke was still belching from it. And the referee just seemed to be hesitant after we after Gross had missed it. And I just thought, I think they might make him take it again, but once they've dampened down the, the flare. And and to be honest, I was surprised that the penalty was allowed to be taken whilst there was still smoke, which was, you know, obviously affecting Butland as well as Gross, but it was a it was an outside thing interfering with yeah. an important moment of the game. I would have expected that flare to have been fully extinguished prior to the um prior to the kick taking place. But I'm kind of splitting hairs. Grace would probably still have missed it. Um because it, it what it he didn't he didn't strike it with any confidence and um provided Butland went the right way he was always going to save it. Yeah I mean de- deliberately um the flare's there to to put off, isn't it as well? It must be said the timing of that was not a coincidence. No. Um I agree with you. I think he probably would have still missed it anyway. And I agree with Andy Kay has said that um yeah, I would have had. I would have probably chosen any of the other three penalty takers. Um, most, most particularly, uh, McAllister, who I fancy could be the longer term option as a, as a regular doing that. Um, and more pay. Who, yeah, he has missed some. I mean, famously, the West Brom game comes immediately to mind. Um, but he has missed he some penalties. Miss one in the West Brom game. Was it? Was it not? Was it not him no, in the West Brom Gr- game? Grace missed one, and Welbeck missed one. Oh yeah, sorry, it was well. It was, it was the, the other, Liverpool game that I think you're thinking about. Yes, yeah, yeah that's right. Maybe it's one against Liverpool, but yeah, yeah so right. so so obviously Liverpool comes to mind, uh, not West Brom. <laughs> but well, um, there's a long anyway, list of games we miss penalties in. Uh, we have missed quite a few, haven't we? Yeah, I mean the, the thing is though, more pay is on 
as good a form now as he's ever been. I don't think he was particularly on form when we had that Liverpool game necessarily. I, I can't really remember, but he's certainly on form now. And I would have, on that basis, I would have taken him over a, um, a man in Pascal Gross who hasn't been playing an awful lot of games recently, looked off the pace in terms of his, you know, match sharpness because he hasn't been playing, isn't, um, you know, isn't really um, fired up in the same way as the others are that, that have been playing and playing on good form. McAllister also playing a good brand of football at the moment and regularly in the team. Um, so I, I, I agree. I don't think it's hindsight. I think it's, um, I would have had either of those two in particular over, um, over Pascal, but uh, it is what it is. And I, yeah, I think he was, he was going to miss that flair or otherwise really, wasn't he? Um, I've started using that phrase. It is what it is. It's a <laughs> isn't it? It is. <laughs> yes. We're becoming indoctrinated, aren't we? <laughs> the Potter generation yeah um, and yeah I mean that, that obviously was the the biggest moment in terms of chances for us in the first half goes without saying but we were pretty dominant in that first half overall weren't we playing some cracking football looking really good um, and just couldn't get the goal which yeah um, um, the um, the Trossard opportunity when he was thrown goal I mean yeah. again if he would have lifted it a little bit um, mm. it would have gone in um, yes yeah, not a bad effort, but just not quite. Yeah, just it, it made it just savable, didn't it? I mean, Butland had a was man of the match without any doubt, I think, in this game. But, um, that particular one, I think we, yeah, we could have made it more difficult for him. I think, um, not the, a bad the effort, but was quite tight, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that I, that sort of seemed to sum up our half is a really good move. Um, because like Palace had an attack which we we broke up quite easily. Um, and then Moda just pinged an absolutely beautiful ball. I mean, it went to, obviously it went to the Palace defender, but Kukurea was there to pick up the... It was an interception, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the second ball, um, the second ball almost immediately. And, um, and and he set Trossard free really well. And then Trossard got himself into a good shape to take the, to take the shot. And then, you know, Butland came out, made himself big and... As uh, Andy said, you know, Trossard didn't get any elevation on it. But it was just, it was just a su- sublime break. Really good. Very, very quick. Very sharp. And for me, it kind of, it summed up, it summed up the, the first half. We, um, I thought Palace would be better. I mean, I've been quite, I've been pretty impressed with, with, Palace of late. Every time, every time I've seen them, it's not been nice. Thinking, oh, that was quite good, but but they have been quite good. I've been very impressed with a lot of their players, and I thought I thought their star men were pretty much played out of the game, except for one move. Um, yeah, I mean, um, let me say something about that um, because this was most obvious in the in the first half, from where I'm sitting in the kind of south. Um, side of the West Upper, it looks really apparent. We we had a game plan where Webster was playing the balls over the top down the kind of right right channel, um, and this is because Palace. They, I mean, they didn't press our defenders, but they were really compact in the middle of the pitch. But what was happening was those balls from Webster weren't necessarily going to our player. But we were picking up all the second balls, um, 
And that, that was a real feature of the first half, I thought. Um, and I suspect that that's another Potterism. It's a, it's a kind of game plan um, to deal with the fact that they were pushed up and compact. Yeah, it certainly counteracted the problem that we had in the game at Sellers, where we were, we were getting overrun in the middle, Milana and Gross. I mean, when I saw that lineup, yeah, I thought, I thought, oh, it's not going to be the same again, where they just like basically steamroller us through the middle. And mm. we actually avoided, we avoided that. It really, basically, apart from one move, Gallagher was not in the game at all. Well, he he was kicked out of the game by McAllister, who. Um, he, I, I hadn't noticed his tackling before, but uh, on Friday night, his tackling was just extraordinary. Yes. Um, and it, for me, he was clearly man of the match. Um, and he's in a great run of form. And that probably coincides with him being given regular starts and regular 90 minutes. I have to say, uh, I know, Russell, you've been um, raving about him for a long time. I, I, I've seen glimpses from him, but I mean, th this is his best run of form, I, I, I think. And, um, you know, what a great moment for him to step up because we have got a couple of games coming up in the next, well, week from this point, from the, the point of the podcast. We're obviously missing the Seema. Um, I fear we may well miss Lalana for those two games. And then um, uh, McAllister will hopefully have to step forward and, and perhaps in that more withdrawn role that he finished the game once Lalana went off um, mm. on Friday night. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you about McAllister. As well, isn't he? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we really are getting depleted for numbers, aren't we, in midfield? Um, I do I agree with you, Andy B, that we were saying about that lineup and fearing the worst based on previous experience. Yeah. But as you, as you said, um, Andy K, the tactics were to override that danger. And yeah, we, we changed the dynamic of the game in that regard. I agree that McAllister as well, I thought we had a great game in that tackling element. I, I agree with you. We haven't really, I don't feel like we've seen um, that from him particularly that much. Um, apart from, I think once or twice, I think possibly in the game at Selhurst last season, he might have been like that actually a bit. But yeah, he's got that bite in midfield that we really need to make that type of system work better because there's a lot of covering to do. And he, he was there reading the game well, getting some great tackles in. He was great. And I know you mentioned Ali K off uh, just on one of the WhatsApp groups about uh, Webster as well. You've you mentioned the, the tactical element, but his, his general passing standard and and other elements of his play were absolutely superb as well, weren't they? Apart from his heading at corners, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he nearly scored no goal, but um, <laughs> well, that was a deflection, wasn't it? Really, but um, yeah. But I, I thought um, um, some really good performances there. I, I think McAllister was our best player. Yeah, definitely. Um, and. Yeah, we again, it's one of those games like many others that we should have been ahead in. It's frustrating because it's Palace and they've had a disproportionate, well, an unrepresentative edge over us, haven't they, in recent games. Um, performance versus results just haven't reflected. And, um, you know, the stats are insane now. That for, At the Amex, four chances on goal in three games and they've scored all four of them, which is utterly ridiculous. Um, you know, you couldn't make this up. And, I mean... To, you'd give anything for that sort of luck, wouldn't you? Really, in these sort of derby games, um, 
However, I much prefer to be the team that's outplaying the opposition in derby game, well, rivalry games. Um, but this is, um, yeah, it's just uh, it's another one for the record books, isn't it? Um, like many others, where we've um, we've not quite got what we should have done from the game. Um, I suppose you could say it's um, they could call that revenge for earlier this season in terms of they were the dominant side and we got the uh, got the equaliser well, this time. You, well, you say that, Russ, but actually statistically we ended up being the dominant side in the game at Selhurst as well. I mean, in the first yeah, half... true. In the first half, we were... You know, oh. we, were, we were lucky to only be one down. We were... They completely dominated it. But we kept them at arms... We did keep them at arm's length. And in the second half, was a lot more even. And we did... You know, we had a few half chances prior to the, 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 the great moment. I don't think that... Was a, as egregious as the win that they got got here last season, but um, yeah, I suppose mm. they could look at it. I mean, but, you know, my Palace mate didn't really gloat about it. He was just he was just quietly happy that that they had mugged us off for another point. He, he said that we were the better team, and that was like my overall takeaway f- from the game. You know, once once I got slightly removed from the match itself was that, yeah, we are still better. I mean, Palace have improved a lot this season. They're, they're yeah. not, they're not dull to watch and, and they've, they've been pretty, you know, they've been a bit like Brighton of last season in, in many games, they've dominated games and just missed loads of chances and ended up on, on a draw or, or a, what they would regard as an unfortunate defeat. Um, and so I thought, well, you know, that, you know they're going to be more of a threat, but they weren't more of a threat this this game. I was really surprised that you know without Lewis Dunk and without Eva Sumer, so basically our two you know, our two best players, um, and we still we still played them played them off the park again. Um, I mean you know it's it's all moot because we only got the points, but. Um, it, it was it was really encouraging that we still got that level of performance. Again, the team did not give up. I thought after they scored, we had about sort of a, you know a ten minute, maybe a five to ten minute spell where we did kind of feel the injustice, the frustration of it, where we were letting passes go astray. We were a bit sloppy for for a short while afterwards, but they but but they were able to gather themselves for that last ten minute onslaught and you always felt that we could get a goal I just think yeah. in, in in past in past seasons you would have been resigned to defeat I mean we were joking about being resigned to defeat at half time but I didn't really believe it because this team this team has shown me that I it's okay for me to still be optimistic at that stage of the game. And you know that it is playing on the mind of the opposition because they know we are now entering into like the red, the the red zone of the game, which is where Brighton traditionally this season have been very, very strong. And they would have, and then they would have been getting paranoid about how, how to close the game out because like it's difficult to close the game out against us. And, and ultimately, the pressure took. And actually, I'm not surprised that the goal we scored was the kind of goal that we scored, because I think it's that level of panic 
and sort of anxiety that, that causes the mistake that, you know, that led to Anderson twatting it into his own net. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, I mean, um, it was great play by Mopay in terms of our goal, but in, in terms of Palace, um, I think the reason why we made them look poor was that they're kind of, um, and that was that their wide forwards um, didn't have the opportunity to shine. Yeah. Eze, I think, because he's not properly match fit. Um, Elise, because Kukurela just owned him completely. Fantastic from and, you know, Edouard, to me, there's lots of people claiming that we should have bought him in the summer. Um, he wasn't he wasn't demonstrating that to me on Friday night. Because, um, you know, most of the goals this season have come from a central midfielder who's on loan. Um, but having said that, I mean, I agree with both your comments that broadly Palace have been playing really well this season. Um, I thought they'd really struggled this season not just because Vieira was coming in, but they were integrating a new squad. But um, all their signings look top-notch uh, and they've got, you know, a roster of exciting and experienced strikers on their book that would certainly have Peter's lips salivating. <laughs> um, and half-half half three quarters of our fan base who moan about our um, forward options or lack yeah. thereof. I do think, yeah, Palace, I agree with you, Palace, they have got a lot of things right, which is, I think they'd be the first to admit, it hasn't always been the case in terms of behind the scenes and signings and everything else, you know, they've either overspent or they've got people on ludicrous wages, which is you know, Benteke and people like that. Um, or they've just made mediocre signings. You know, the Sorloths of this world and people like that who just, and Wickham, who was signed, and then he was on high wages and injured for ages, which is okay, maybe unfortunate. But they, they've got a lot of things wrong in the past, and it doesn't seem to be the case this time. I think for me, that's why I was ultra delighted that we um, we outplayed them in this game because they are a better version of themselves now, and yet we were still able to dominate the game, albeit not the win, but uh, we didn't get the win. But um I do think that's an encouraging sign. I think we're sitting in a, a position in comfortable mid-table where the objectives are not to avoid relegation anymore, I don't think. I think we've, we're just about beyond that now in terms of this season. Um, so it's a matter of just going out there playing and seeing how we do. And we can relax a bit about only drawing the Palace at home off the back of loads of other draws because we're not. that's not going to cost us. Um, apart from probably a, a certain amount of fiscal... Um, sort of benefits from positions in the table maybe if you if you go into detail on that but in terms of you know our overall standing I don't think it's going to affect much and so it's quite satisfying to have been the better side um I do agree that um that yeah Gallagher was kept quiet and I do think he's been a key part of what they have done well this season and he is on loan and he isn't going to be able to stay on because he's quite frankly doing too well <laughs> I think um even if even if Chelsea wanted to sell him, I think someone else such as Newcastle would be throwing more money at it than Palace would be able to afford. Um, so, you know, he's that highly regarded. Um, the well, only in, ter thing in terms of his goal, though... Um, yeah, I was just going to say, that I, was frustrating. I, I, we left him I alone, didn't we? I would say that if we had Basima on the pitch, maybe even Lilana at that point, yeah. then he'd been yeah. picked up, because there he was um, on the penalty spot. 
all on yeah. its own. Um, yeah. And you, you could see it. I mean, in the run-ups on that goal, I was looking specifically at him the whole way through that build-up, thinking, we're not picking him up, we're not picking him up, we're not picking him up. And then, OK, Jeffrey Schluck, I think it was, wasn't it, put that it was. pretty yeah. good ball back in, which was actually a very, mm-hmm. very good assist. Um, it looked like he had nowhere to go. He was right on the goal line. He had two players tied to him. And he just sort of got a real kind of flashy little whip to, to the ball in. Um, and obviously, it was spot on, found his man. And um, we still hadn't picked him up by that point, um, Gallagher. So the rest is history. Pretty frustrating. Um, and that was in the 69th minute. And as, as you've said, in previous incarnations of the Albion, that would have been that probably. We wouldn't have been able to come back into it. But as Andy B there has said, um, you know, we've got this mental strength. We've got this extra stamina. I think when it does go towards that red zone, we're both strong physically and mentally to keep going time and again we I won't list it all again but the number of times we've got late goals um, three minutes later on this occasion it would have been I think some kind of record wouldn't it of um, four games in a row in this fixture home and away where there's been a goal in the 90th minute or later if that had been three minutes later um, but late a late goal nonetheless and I mean that that itself aside from whatever's gone on in the game is a really encouraging thing isn't it because it shows a, that this team has got that mental strength and B, the togetherness as well, the belief, all of those elements are just right there to see. And it's um, it's very satisfying, and particularly satisfying when you're going into those later stages, wishing for a, a change of fortune. And you can genuinely hope for it with the Albion now, which is which is great to see. Yes, I mean, that goal was frustrating. And, and, um, and AD, who I sit with from the Albion Raw, hmm. he called it like, about 30 yards out, he was bemoaning the fact, because I think when Gooey got the got the ball initially, I think we had three opportunities to like snatch it off him about 25 yards out from their goal. Um, and he evaded, he evaded each challenge. And then they started to move the ball up the pitch. And AD's saying, why isn't anybody just making the tactical, tactical mm. foul, just getting in there? And I think the, I think Lalana coming off slightly upset Potter's plans for the game because I'm pretty convinced that he was going to bring Gross off for Lamptey mm-hmm. and Alana in because Alana was having a very good game. I he was brilliant, yeah. Um, I thought he was having an excellent game. I thought Gross, yeah, he's been he the He was one. struggling, wasn't he? he? He would be the one to to come off for Lamptey, but obviously the injury meant that one of our more effective players at the time had to come off and then we had to rejuggle it not in precisely the way that that, that, that we wanted. No. And um and I think that did have I think that was a contributing factor. And yeah, and it yeah, it was it was disappointing. I think I actually think Webster could have done a little bit better inside the box. He got yes. sold he got sold for the for the ball back in and it sucked him in too long because by the time he'd come out to try and confront Gallagher it was too late. I mean, slightly casual, didn't he, about it? And even then, like, you know, Byrne was like about an inch away from heading it. Mm. I mean, literally half a step to his Mm. uh, to his left would have would have been would have been enough to have to have headed in clear. Um, But fair play to Gallagher. He he got the ball under control well and and, and put it in the only place that he was actually going to go in. I mean, any. Yeah, if he didn't hit it that close to the post, it would not have gone in. So credit to him for a, a very smart finish. But it was, 
incredibly frustrating. Um, just to sort of wind the clock back a little bit, one thing we didn't discuss was our disallowed yeah. goal. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, another another player on form like Gallagher is, of course, our man Morpé. Um, good finish. Now, <laughs> now <laughs> until until I rewatched match of the day, until I watched match of the day this morning, um, I yeah, I wasn't particularly upset by at the time. I just thought. Uh, they're going to disallow it. has gone into the keeper. You know, these things sort of never stand unless you're playing for Kidderminster against Coventry where you can flatten somebody and then and the goal's going to stand. But time, I just thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> and they just said, oh, they, they had the keeper at it and he knocked it out of his hand, so it's, it's fair play. But then, having looked at the replays again, Barton did not have control of that ball. He didn't. Mopay's yeah. going in there to challenge. They're both going to challenge for it. And I, he just knocked it. He just dropped it. It just knocked it out of his hands. Just he wasn't. He, he did not have hold. In my opinion, I don't think he had full possession of the ball. And I think the goal. I think the goal should have stood. Um, mm, I mean, I don't. I don't think it's an, an egregious decision. So I don't really want to bang on about it for too long because you know football's football. But I just want to put it on the record that I think we were slightly harshly done. I can understand why it was disallowed, so I don't think it's the worst decision in the world. I just think, you know, goals like that should be allowed. I think Mope was entitled to go for it. I don't think the keeper had a proper hold of it. His hands were behind the ball, but he didn't seem to be gripping it. He had it, and I, I'm going to watch mm. the NFL tonight. And like in the NFL, that's a fumble. Mm. If it, you know, if it's not a foul in that game, then it shouldn't be a foul in our game either. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, my view on that is, I, I suppose ultimately it depends on uh, how you interpret having control of the ball. Yeah, because that there is that new rule where if you've got one, if goalkeeper's got one hand on it, it now counts as being in control of the ball. Isn't that um, to do with but, a surface as well? It's got to be touching yes, the grass no, or a no, post. You're, or the... you're right. Hmm. You're right on yeah. that. Um, so it's a bit and, mm. and kind of look, looking looking at the Mopay incident, it's not. It, it looks slightly more as though Button's fallen into Mopay rather than vice versa. But mm. you know, like like Andy's, uh, you know, these things can go either way. And I, you know, how do you resolve it? Do you do you award half a goal for it? Or something like that. <laughs> That'd be brilliant. We're half a goal up at half time. I think, I, I think as long as long as as long as it's consistent, I think, yeah, I mean, I mean it is a tricky one. It is a tricky one. And it was, you know, I think it was probably certainly you know, it's a goal that you would expect to be re- to be reviewed. Um but I I think I think I don't know. I think you have to allow some physicality in the game, you know, not as long as it's not overly dangerous. I think the one explanation that makes sense to me is that maybe Mopé's raised foot as he was initially challenging for the ball might have been considered dangerous play. And that was the reason the goal didn't stand mm. rather than the actual contact that put the ball into the net, in which case, okay, you know, maybe I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that one as well. But you know, I, I don't think it was an obvious as obviously a disallowed goal as, as it appeared at the time. But I'm not going to knock the referee for it. I thought the referee 
considering considering the combustibility of, of the fixture, I thought he was actually very good. And um, it was quite nice to have a, a referee. I wasn't hurling abuse at the entire 90 minutes. And so, you know, I thought got most of the decisions right. So um, I thought he did a good job. Yeah, there's been a lot of poor decisions in this fixture before. I mean, Knockout was lucky to avoid a red. Um, we were very unlucky not to get a penalty up there one year at Selhurst. Um, yeah, that Montoya had... incident. Montoya, yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 back at the Amex, similar stuff. Um, I think Zaha's got away with quite a few yellows he should have got in various games as well against us. Well, there, um, there was that penalty they got as well, wasn't it? The yeah, lamp lamp tea. Yeah, unbelievable. Pushing over yeah. a giant. I mean, there there have been some absolute yeah. shocking decisions in this yeah. fixture, and mm. yeah, I think. You know, there are decisions like a nitpick in this game, but there are none that mm. I thought were like absolutely. Yeah, and, and considering we've not got the result we wanted, it's nice to be able to say actually, fair play to the ref. He had a yeah. he had a decent game. Um, you know, we can say that from a position of strength because we're not, you know, we're not um, the winning team, and it's easy to say we're actually, you know, we, we're disappointed with the result, but. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, shame about the disallowed goal, but you know, it's a, it allowed an Albion fan to come on the pitch and <laughs> bathe the Palace fans, and we'll probably get a, a long ban for that um, for mocking them over a goal that didn't actually stand, which is quite amusing. <laughs> Although, of course, we don't condone the behaviour. And I noticed I didn't see the full thing, but there was a Palace fan ran on when they scored as well. I saw he. He kind yeah. of went off at 100 miles an hour. He was, he was yeah. almost on the no, pitch he, before he, he hit he, the back of the net. He went back into the, the crowd. I, I don't know if the stewards managed to haul him back out again. Um, yeah, possibly. But there was a lot of um, excitable behaviour going on there, of course. Typical classic partisan away crowd and all that jazz. Um, flares galore, as we as we saw, including before the game. Um and um, yeah, I mean, tip, typical antics, of course, on on match day uh, in this rivalry fixture. But um, in terms it's of a yeah, crack, we... cracking atmosphere though, wasn't I it? It was. It was. Thought, it was. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was one of the bet one of the better atmospheres at, at, at these games. Actually, it's uh, it's interesting reading the different reports from fans in different sections of the crowd saying, oh, I couldn't hear them, I couldn't hear them, or I couldn't hear us. Yeah, the other. Well, when I see the West Stand Upper, you actually. You actually get to hear everybody. I can hear all the stands from where, from where I am. Mm. So I actually, I know people say, "Oh, the atmosphere at the Amex is rubbish." Well, you're clearly not sitting where I am because it's it's actually pretty good. I can hear the away fans really well, and I can hear the North fan. Um, mm. And I thought it, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really good atmosphere. It was, and and hardly anyone left before. The end of the game. Mm. Ground was still full at the end, and it was. Um, and I just, I thought it was, it was raucous, um, but it it felt slightly less unseemly inside the stadium than yeah than it has on previous occasions. But I thought it was every bit as full throated and full hearted. There was like you know, there was no give or take. I thought that the fans were really really into it. It was a cracking atmosphere. It's quite interesting. It seemed to be the, the YouTube vloggers match day of choice this weekend. There's a couple of people I watch on <laughs> YouTube and, and, and they all loved it. They just said, you know, that's a great atmosphere and like, you know, underrated rivalry. This this game was 
brilliant as a neutral. It's like, what more do I want? I've got missed penalties. I've got VAR, got last minute equalizers. I've got fans running on the pitch, flares. And it's all, well, could it be like this every week? This is awesome. And, you know, it was awesome. I thought it, it was, I thought it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. It was an enjoyable match. I wonder to what degree the Friday night element plays a part because, I mean, on the one hand, it seems like a mad schedule for this particular fixture from uh, the policing point of view. You think the last thing you want is the Friday night game because um, people can take a half day off and then they're, they're drinking all day in town, then going to the game, possibly staying over if they if they can take a second mortgage out to, to get a hotel room um, and stay over for the, into, the, into the Saturday. Um there's recipes for disaster potentially with that sort of thing. However, of course, what that does mean is a lot more people having a few beers before the game, and um, and that maybe helps the atmosphere. Also, the fact that you do, it's it's not a school night, so maybe you said about not many people left before the end. I agree with you. That, I noticed that as well. Which you you want to see that being the case because you don't want Palace mocking us for loads of early leavers. Um, but I wonder if that's the school night element. You know, the fact that. You know, if, the, if people have got families, for example, they don't particularly have to rush back that bit earlier. Um, I don't know if that played a part or not, but I agree. It was cracking atmosphere, crackling atmosphere, in fact. And um, mm-hmm. I agree with you as well. I mean, all three of us are in the West Upper. I mean, Andy, you're towards the South End. Uh, Andy K, that is. Andy B, you're in the middle and I'm to, to the North End. So we've all got the different West Stand Upper representation. And I, I agree with you. Andy B, that yeah, you can you can catch elements of all of the atmosphere from around the ground pretty well with where we are. From my end, being at one end of that stand, I can't really hear. But people say the southwest do a fair bit from time to time as well. But that's okay, the only bit yeah. we can't we can't really hear that from where I am too well. Um, or at least if we can, we well, can't the, tell when it the, when it's the, the west sa- upper or the not. southwest were done very very well actually on Friday night because yeah. Obviously, they were right up against Palace fans. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was quite quite a bit going on. Yeah, I mean, I do wonder if there's something they could do with the acoustics in the, hmm. in the stadium. Because um, I, I wonder whether it's kind of been designed to sort of really dampen the, the noise from a sort of local resident perspective. Because um, I think it does... Because I've I've been in the South Stand. I went to the South Stand for one game, and I couldn't hear the North Stand at all. Um, when mm. I could see that they were clearly singing, and I'm sure if I was in my usual seat, I would have I would have heard them. But so I mean, the acoustics are aren't that great for the like end to end transmission of of sound. So I can see why mm. the two sets of supporters are saying, "Well, they didn't sing at all." And I, oh, they did sing quite a bit, and you know, so did you. So you know, what they said wasn't true either. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was really good. I was, I mean, I I actually I actually I had to leg it at the end of the game. I had another being being Friday night. I was double booked, and I had to sort of get off to <laughs> join some friends at, an, at another event. And um, oh yeah, I remember you said about that. Yeah, yeah and <laughs> because uh, and because nobody had left, I was literally hmm. on a train within. Like, like straight away, I just I was planning on getting the bus, but there was no queue for the train when I when I sort of ran down there. I just got on the first train out. I was back in Brighton by t- about five past ten. Um, it was it was just it was just ridiculous. I know there was some, so I'd be quite interested to hear what your experience was, given that um, there did appear to be some potentially quite serious issues after the game for those 
sort of trying to exit on on full time, but having to go round. Yeah, we, we stayed behind just to clap the team off and then left very quickly. And there was noticeably a lot of people in the concourse. I mean, we're going from, as I said, the south side of the West Upper um, down toward, well, past the station, actually, um, towards Bakker. Um, and there was noticeably more people in that area. Um and it was more difficult to get through, but um, at that time we were okay. I, I, I think what happened was um, to try and keep the fans separate, they were made to go in kind of clockwise or anti-clockwise directions from certain points, which kind of didn't make sense. So if you were coming out the east stand, I think you had to go clockwise around. Yeah, that's right. All, all the way around. Um, yeah, you don't have to that, go around where the away fans were. Yeah, um, that's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I've, yeah, I I'm assuming the I, Sorry, go on, Andy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not one for really sort of kicking the club or, or the, the police too much in regards to this fixture because I do, you know, I do think you have to take into consideration the volatility of it. And as much as as much as I enjoyed the atmosphere and stuff. Was you know there this you know the animosity is real. It's not you know you you do you do need to make some arrangements, but um, yeah. but yeah they they did seem to they did seem to get it wrong and um, you know they've got another year to to figure out how to do it next time. But I I really don't see why they can't keep the palace you know keep the palace fans inside the stadium. Um, you know the. There's plenty of room in the stand itself. They could keep the concourse open, and then they yeah. could they can then clear some of the coach park and clear like maybe get like two or three trains out of the out of Falmer Station before they then move people into yeah. move the Palace fans onto their their special train back yeah. to back to uh, Croydon. Because they've got to shuffle them somehow, rather, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, I think I, the whole yeah, idea, but, the clockwise thing, is obviously I, I, just to. I, from what I understand, is that they were permitted to leave the stadium and they were kettled in just outside hmm. the just outside the south stand, which just seemed, which meant that they that people had to go around them. And now, if you're going counterclockwise, going clockwise, that means you're going to go past them. Whereas if you're going counterclockwise, they could have all nipped round and mm-hmm. everybody, everybody, it, it, it just. Yeah, uh, I don't really think they thought that one through, to be mm. honest. And uh, yeah, and uh, I hope they take seriously some of the reports from people that found it a, a very uncomfortable um, yeah. situation. I mean, the, the the clockwise thing. I mean, clearly the idea of that is to um, is to, is to allow the, the palace fans to be kettled round as and when necessary. Yeah. Around uh, clockwise, around to where the station is. So it's to stop. I think West Standers going counterclockwise past where the Palace fans would be to get to the coach parks, and also any um, East Stand fans from um, from well, actually, yeah, to more more to do with West Stand people, isn't it? Really, so there wouldn't be a, a contraflow going on. But I think if you're holding the Palace fans off for a certain period, you're going to get that initial flood of people out the way anyway and you just I think you just wait until the bottleneck at the bottom of the stairs where the coach parks are to just dissipate to a suitable enough degree and then you can kettle the Palace fans out and go clockwise round from there 
Um, I, I, I think it could have been done better. I wasn't experiencing that firsthand because I'm in the West, went in the North for a drink after the game and then uh, we, and then we had it off from there. So I didn't see any of it myself. But I know there were people in the East that were in a really unpleasant situation. I spoke to the people that were in that stand and they said it got to be quite a bit of a crush yeah. and there was, you, you, there was nowhere to go to sort of get out of the crush area as well. You were all packed uh, the way it had worked out. I think there was contrary stewarding and policing um, strategies going on at the same time. I don't, I don't think it was joined up thinking properly there at all. And the club have put a statement out actually on the website saying uh, that the club is aware of the congestion and delays encountered by a number of supporters leaving the northeast corner of the stadium after Friday's match against Crystal Palace. We wish to apologise for any inconvenience caused and to thank fans for their patience. Uh, it says working with the police, the club's operations staff were monitoring the congestion on CCTV monitors from the stadium control room at, at all times and were able to direct staff and police on the ground to ease the congestion as quickly and as safely as possible. Uh, when special stadium egress measures such as those for Friday's game are implemented, staff must manage an ever-changing and dynamic situation. As usual, all plans will be reviewed and, where necessary, um, refined for future matches. That last sentence being, of course, the most important because it's, it seems to be a fluid situation. It, all, it changes from uh, match to match, doesn't it? The the policies and the policing as well for the away game at Selhurst. And I, I uh, we were let out straight away this time, aren't we? The game up there. Yeah, I think this is part of the problem of having it as an eight o'clock yeah. kickoff. Um, because you know, I mean, people moan about oh, we, you know, our farmers in the middle, of, you know, Amex is in the middle of nowhere. It's not really, but at, at, at ten o'clock at night, then when your choices of exit are much more time limited it does become it does become yeah. an issue and i and i i just i just don't know why this well i've been told one yeah i don't know why this is not a more convenient time that allows people more time to you know, to, to sort of get out because you know, getting to a game is not normally a, a problem you can make room for that but it's getting out of a game hmm. Is the issue we're going to have this at Tottenham in a you know in a couple of weeks in the FA Cup when you know basically eight o'clock again going to get home on well we'll literally will get home on Sunday from that but um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah because um, yeah, I mean it, this is because of engineering yeah, works going back to Brighton isn't it yeah I mean and an eight o'clock kickoff yeah, yeah and the I, I, and the the trains between Brighton and London are just are notoriously bad and. And it, it, it'll be over of it is to me to say it's not fair, but it isn't really fair on like not only like Palace fans trying to get back to London, but obviously fans like yourself who are also you know, Albion fans who are going back to London or, or going up yeah. to, you know, Haywood, have, having to try and avoid Palace or trying to make it yeah. across the coast to sort of like, yeah, you know, I mean, I got home at 2 30. If that, if that was on a, a Monday night, that turns into a bit of a problem. Uh, it was yeah. okay. For this game but if it wasn't the weekend that would have been an issue um i mean yeah, i probably would have just had to bite the bullet not have not have drinks in town and drive in that case but even then i'm st- it's still going to be a late night and it, it is a difficult one there's a lot of nonsense um isn't there in terms of these schedules and it comes back to the, the whole um yeah the old classic argument of tv companies not giving one hoot about fans and they'll just program in what they they probably look at this and think well tottenham brighton Brighton Palace, those, yeah, that's local ish, that's fine. And they're not looking at the details. 
Um, in fact, they're probably not even thinking about that, to be honest, about the local element. And it's made for lots of hassle. And the Tottenham game, it's, it's going to be, we've got over 9,000, just over 9,000 allocation for the away end over the three tiers in that corner. Um, fans can't get back <laughs> that night if they leave at the end of the game. And that's assuming there's no extra time and penalties um, due to engineering works and various other logistics. And it's a pig to get away from that ground anyway, um, even though they've improved White Hart Lane Station. Um, it's, yeah, it, it just means how many of those fans that would have gone won't be able to. Will we be able to sell out the 9,000? It then becomes the question. Um, who knows? But well, um, we did. I think, I think we've started quite well on on that front um yeah i think we i think we have sold quite a lot of tickets already um so hopefully we will sell somewhere near the nine thousand. i hope we get all the elements of the ground we we our seats are in the middle tier so like the lower tier had gone and we've got into the into the second tier yeah i think we're Uh, there as well actually and um yeah so yeah, I am hopeful. It's, we're still going to get a get a good crowd for that. I've yet to weigh up my options. Yeah, just looking at the um, the site now, it's yeah, there's it's the um, basically the first two tiers. There's not many seats left. Hmm. So that's probably many. about there's, roughly it's, five or six thousand, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, block, one, so block one one three is five hundred twenty three seats. So I think they'll go. The other blocks have all got less than fifty seats. Yeah. So I imagine they'll yeah. start to sell the top, the upper tier, at some point next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is which is which is great. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know whether I'm going to get a coach or whether I'll just do. I mean, you know, it's it's a weekend. So as long as I can get home, then I could just be patient. Yeah, doing it. I sort of perfected the art of getting out of that stadium now. I mean, I just know a like, 45 minute walk to 40 minute walk to Tottenham Hale and you'll get on a train. Although I understand yeah. that there might be strike action on the Victoria line, which could be annoying. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Uh, How convenient. Go back by a, <laughs> by a Nibble Street or something. But yeah, but you can get there and you get in without having to queue too much and yeah, what true. have you. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's not impossible, but yeah, it will, it will be annoying. And for those who are like taking kids and stuff, it's it's really not ideal. And this would this would have been a perfect sort of day out for the family. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's enough tickets to go around. You don't have to be a super fan or a season ticket holder to get a ticket for this. If you want to go, just have your fan number ready, and that's it. You're in, aren't you? Um, hmm. And it's yeah, that's the big exciting, big exciting occasion, and uh, and we got and we've got a good chance in it. I think so, yeah. I've got a feeling um, we're going to win that one, actually. Yeah. I don't think we'll win both games, but I think we, we're going to eventually get one win there. Yeah. And it feels more likely to be the cup match. Um, that comes up next, and I think we're, we're in good form at the moment, for one thing. Secondly, the, the fact we'd have more fans there. Um, and thirdly, it just feels like the time's right in general, I think. It, so so I, I actually fancy us to win that, maybe just a 1-0 or something like that. Well, we'll see. I mean, I think all of us are in the in the middle tier. Um, it's quite nice, actually, to take advantage of the opportunity to go into a different section, albeit not much different uh, angle-wise, but in terms of, you know, just get a different elevation and see what that's like. I like experiencing new parts of the same ground where there's a chance. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that. I've been to the ground before. 
ever present there actually for our games barring the the obvious uh, lockdown fixture but um I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one above and beyond the normal level of emotion on this I'm, i think it could be a great day out the, the one good element of it is of course we've got the whole day uh to spend um drinking well probably coffees i'd imagine i can't imagine we'd have anything other than that <laughs> other than that would be uh, addies um, <laughs> um but um you know I, I think that could be a good occasion um we'll see how we go it would be good to, to win that of the two games because again we, you know going back to what i was saying earlier we're in a comfortable mid-table position that's going to probably stay the same through the season when all said and done but with the cup, if we manage to pull off a win against Spurs in that, suddenly we've got rid of one of the big boys ourselves and into the fifth round. Um, you know, then suddenly that starts to look exciting, especially if one or two of the other sides get um, suffered an upset somewhere along the line. A couple of decent draws with people knocking each other out. Maybe at the next stage, you know, it could suddenly turn into another good cup run. But yeah. it's a tough call, obviously. Um, but, but it's doable. Um, there's one final thing on the Palace game. I mean, just to quote the stats, because we haven't done that yet. 63% possession we had, 19 shots to their three, four on target to, of course, their famously successful one. And um, we had nine corners, they had none. Um, so, you know, all the stats again in our favour. I think overall, general summary on that, I'm pretty happy with it. I think, um, you know, Patrick Vieira was saying in his post-match that he thought it was probably about a, a fair result. I don't agree with him. <laughs> um, but but having been 1-0 down in the 86th minute um, and then thinking that maybe, maybe this time we won't get that last-minute goal, um, and then we did, um, I'm, I'm pretty pleased. I, I quite like the fact they scored an own goal. That kind of pleases me. I brought a smile to my face that it came that way, really. Um, any final thoughts on Palace? A couple of other bits to talk about in a minute, but uh, on other subjects. But on the Palace well, matter, any f- concluding comments? I suppose we hit the bar. Um, there was. Oh that, yeah, that, was that Moda? Moda. That was Moda. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was the top mm. top of the bar. Um, mm. uh, and then there was that kind of last minute chance for Welbeck that just went over. I mean, yeah, he, he did wouldn't that be brilliant if, if that come in? If that would have come in. <laughs> I thought that was going in. I was, yeah, was, I did actually. I mean, I did. It was extra. It was what an extraordinary effort by by Welbeck, and um, yeah, and, and you know, given this fixture, it was a surprise it didn't go in. Uh, yes. <laughs> I feel slightly cheated from like the you know, the official <laughs> script, um, but again, that just showed that you know we equalised in the eighty sixth minute. In the ninety second, we're still trying to win it. Mm-hmm. No, no thinking. Okay, we've got out of jail here. We've we've got the point. Let's let's just see this out. And because uh, there wasn't a massive amount of injury time, I think it was only three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if, if if anything, we were a little, little bit too frantic in those kind of last <laughs> minutes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what on did us at Villa, wasn't it? Actually, we were going for the win in that game, and they called us on the break and. Um, well, not right at the end, but, you know, quite near the end. And then it all unraveled from there. And it, I mean, the fact we are just taking it to, to teams um, up and down, you know, Liverpool as well. We could have ended up winning that one. You know, we, we're taking it to teams and we, we're going in fearless. And, yeah, occasionally you'll have a Villa-style scenario happen. But most of the time, 
uh, you'll probably end up with the, the same score um, as you've got before you try to, to, to get a last-minute goal. Um, but as we've seen this season, we, we seem capable of going that step further a few times, albeit most of those are equalisers rather than winners. It would have oh, wouldn't it have been good if that had gone in the Welbeck shot though? I just, oh. I just can't even imagine what the scene <laughs> would have been like. I just think there would have been people on the pitch for that. I think so. In I think there were fairly yeah. large numbers um, <laughs> because it would have, it would have been extraordinary. But I mean. That for me, because it just exemplifies my whole take. You know, you know, looking back on it, you know, it was a point, but we, we, you know, we played well. We've maintained the difference between ourselves and, and Palace in the league. I think, you know, we're still pushing to finish above them, um, despite the fact that they actually look, you know, they look more worthy of their you know, sort of higher place in the league than, than, than they have done in previous seasons. Um, I just, you know, I just like the attitude of this team. I think that the, this last few weeks we've really been positive. Um, you know, we you know, won at Everton. I, I, I thought the attitude against West Brom and the desire, even if some of the execution wasn't particularly brilliant, but but we wanted to win. We wanted to win, and we went there and we did it, and we and we weren't shy about it. We brought. We took it seriously. We've been in every single league game. We've again just totally outplaying people, and not just by tapping it around at the back. You know the touches in the you know opponent's half. You know, passable time wasting in the first half. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, there are many things that um, Potter is not great on Putin. Um, as you know, I, I, I never want to denigrate Hugin's contribution, but the fact that every game we try and win, we play to win, um, and we take it to them, and, and we can believe that we can win, despite the fact that, you know, they spent an awful lot more on players and the wage levels that they're playing, which is the key metric about where a team finishes. Um, you know, we're brave, we're, we're bold. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I've said it before, I'm an enormous fan of Potter. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, yeah and, and me too. Um, and it's interesting to know who else might be. Um, a certain Mr Benitez, after a disastrous result again this weekend, they lost, I think it was to Norwich, wasn't it? 2-1, um, I think, the score in the end. Yeah. I've got that right. Yeah. Um uh, he has subsequently been sacked today. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, and, of course, immediately a lot of Albion fans were sort of like uh, proffering notions that it's going to be a lot of talk about Graham Potter being one of the people Everton might be interested in. Well, while we've been on air rec- recording this, um, apparently he's been announced by Sky Sports News as being one of their shortlisted candidates from their point of view but also on Sky Sports News uh, it's now being reported that he has said he's not interested in talking to Everton I don't I haven't had a chance to look at this directly so I don't know how true that is but if that is the case then <laughs> that's brilliant isn't it I mean I don't think it is a, a good move for him at the moment I think Everton's a bit of a, a basket case club at the moment yeah. um, there doesn't seem to be any defined policies in terms of transfers sporting directorship uh, you know they're, they're just appointing what seems like Odd choices of manager, 
um, for a club that supposedly got a lot of ambition with the new build stadium coming, a lot of money behind them if they need it um, further down the line. They have spent, somebody said, half a billion in recent years. And they, yeah, I mean, you it's, know, it's, it's the opposite of Brighton. Um, yeah, they, it really is, isn't it? They've spent so much money and they're a really poorly run club, whereas we haven't spent so much money and we're an impeccably run club. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, in terms of Potter, I really don't think he'll go to Everton. Um, no, to turn that round, you will need three, three years, three, four years. Um, and they're so brainless that they won't allow somebody three or four years to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he probably would be a great fit for them um, if that wasn't the case. Uh, I suppose there is also the issue of um, what's going to happen with Dan Ashworth. That still hasn't been kind of firmly put to bed. You know, yeah, there's um, not been any official information, has there, since yeah. it was said that he was going to have talks with them, with Newcastle. But, but, I mean, the, the thing about Ashworth, um, I always thought in terms of Ashworth and Newcastle, it wasn't to do with this window. It was about the kind of longer-term future of the club. So, you know, it may well be the case that that gets announced after the end of the transfer window. Um, but... Yeah, uh, I suppose we're speculating on it because it hasn't been put to bed either way. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. in I terms mean, of Graham Potter, I mean, Everton, it doesn't seem like the right fit for him, certainly. I would be surprised if he had have said he was interested in talking to them. And um, there will be, I think, better jobs coming up for him, should he so wish, later on down the line. At the very least, you'd be looking... A preferential one to Everton in the current state would be a if if the job were to happen to come available would be a, a West Ham or a, arguably a Leicester. Although I don't think there's a great deal in that. They're a much better run club, of course, than uh, than Everton uh, or or even a Man United scenario, a club who's not really a top. Well, they're not one of the the top clubs in terms of their current performance, but obviously have huge potential and draw. Um, one of those kind of jobs might come up in the future for one reason or another. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I would be surprised if he went to Everton. But uh, over to you, Andy B. Sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah, I think Potter picks his next job. I don't think someone yeah. comes in for him. I think he, I think if he, he'll see something come up, he'll say to you, and if he, and if he decides that he wants to leave Brighton, he'll get his agent to say, give him a call because um, quite frankly, Potter's going to be on every single list for a vacancy like and uh, yeah I've just looked at the Sky Sports website Potter is understood to be very happy at Brighton isn't currently interested in talking to Everton absolutely yeah that doesn't surprise me at all the problem at Everton isn't the manager it's the people that have appointed 10 managers in the last three weeks or so it seems um, yeah. <laughs> you know they've, yeah. they've, they've got to sort themselves out they they just make error after error after error um, and it's and you, like you say it's a poorly run club no decent, no manager that really wanted to further his career would go there or wouldn't would touch it with a barge pole, I don't think, because mm. they know that they're not going to be in a position to make that a success. Um, yeah. I mean, just, that, just, said, that's, that said, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't think Benitez is that much, of a, uh, that much of a manager. I think he got lucky at Liverpool that he had one exceptional player that basically 
carried him through to his finest mm. moment. I mean, Gerard basically won that European Cup on his own mm. uh, with an exceptional um, performance and leadership that I, you know, I don't think was coming from the manager. No, the right. performances in the league were were very underwhelming. I, you know, I don't. And again, yeah, I mean, you look at Real Madrid. Real Madrid, you know, he's 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 got a, uh, an embarrassment of riches at his disposal there. And as you said, great personnel at Liverpool, um, very unremarkable, I thought, at Newcastle. And yeah. it feels like it's just Newcastle Mark Two is his time at Everton, a yeah. similar sort of thing. They're, they're, he's basically he's Newcastled Everton, hasn't he? <laughs> he's played them exactly the same incarnation. Yeah, um, a club that's just above the relegation zone, plucking results out once in a while, really unremarkable and quite boring. And he's quite he's quite an uninspiring figure, actually, isn't he? When you see his interviews, and it's not surprising his teams manifest themselves on the pitch the way they do. Um, well, I, I have to say, I, I thought they were brilliant at the MX. Um and yeah, to be I fair, could, that, they were I good could, then. I, I could really see how they were playing. Um, and at that point, they had, you know, their first 11 out, which they haven't done subsequently. We um, also had a weakened team, I suppose we should say. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, Everton were were good in that game. What what went wrong? I guess injuries is part of it, but um, it, it seems yeah. he's lost his way. I, only City have played better. Than them against us this season, I think. Yes, ironically, that that is true. They were one of the you know, city aside. They were the best teams at the MX this season. But I mean, that just goes to show they you know they have got good players, but they they do seem to have a lot of players that seem to not want to play on occasion. Um, I, I there there is something at that club that. It doesn't really make their players fully committed to the cause um, all the time, and um, I don't think necessarily it is just the manager um, that is that is a problem. I mean, I don't think Benitez is that great, but and you know, and given the, the results that he's had, is you know, even he would not be surprised by by his um, fate today. But you know, the days of Everton thinking they could just sort of waltz in and sort of. But yeah, on the back of past glories, which are you know fairly few and far between in recent history, um, are long gone. They that that's a that's a team that needs a big rebuild. Hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, they're six points off the relegation zone, and I what for, I don't think for a minute they'll go down. But they they've got a couple of games in hand on on that third place, third bottom team, uh, Norwich anyway. But um, the fact they've just lost to Norwich and they're only six ahead of them now. Given how poorly Norwich have been rated this season, and how how much it's been given, it's been a given that everyone thinks assumes they're going to go down. Uh, to only be six points ahead of a club like that, with all respects to Norwich, that that shows how far they've slipped. Everton should be a top half of table team based on resources, and um, you know what they should have as a, as a decent squad. But anyway, glad that he's going to stay with us, uh, Graham, for the. You know, for now, we'll see what what comes up next. Um, I'm glad we put that to bed early as well. If that if that is what's, uh, yeah. I presume Graham Potter's made a statement somewhere uh, about that. But um, I'm glad that's been put to bed. Um, bad news for Peter, of course. Uh, Leeds winning uh, away <laughs> at West Ham, uh, <laughs> and now nine points clear of relegation. He'll be most disappointed. Although he will be happy that Newcastle 
uh, screwed up uh, a 1-0 lead against relegation rivals Watford in a one-all draw this weekend. So they're still right in the mire. 12 points from 20 games is terrible. Annoyingly, they are only two points away from safety at the moment. Well, it's three because of goal difference and Watford do have a game in hand on them. But still, nonetheless, that's that. Um, anyway, that pretty much rounds it up, I think. Any any other final words from either of you two? I know, Andy, you, Kay, you were about to have to go anyway, but uh, are we... I think we're probably all done. So, Andy Kay, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, sir. We'll let you get off. He's got to go and make dinner, I think. <laughs> and to Andy B as well, thank you for joining me again. Um, no doubt I will see you at the next games. In the meantime, it's been brilliant. And um, we'll sign off in the usual way. Again, if you can join me in this one, we'll say the usual. It's stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.